Hi Chewers, welcome to Digest with Chew Chews, a podcast exploring the influence of food on our soil, body and soul. From regenerative farming to table rituals, let us embark on an epicurean journey and meet captivating guests who invite meaning and purpose from field to fork. My name is Lea Sednawi, gourmand at heart, and your host. I believe that chewing, or living well, is choosing. Let's find out how, together. Get comfortable, and happy listening! Joy, hi! Welcome to Digest with Chew Chews. I'm really happy to have you on the podcast. Hi, Lea. Thank you so much for having me on board today for the podcast and the launch of your first season. Yeah. So you and I met in Beirut in our 20s. We hopped from the art world to more centered and sustainable practices with time. Um, you've always had a kick for business after working in the arts. You redirected your course towards business and technology. I want to hear more about that in a minute. So today you are the founder of the Forward Lab and the Forward Minds podcast that I love. So from your master's thesis to the work that you promote today, sustainability has been at the core of what you do. And I'd like to introduce you to our audience to start with basic background questions and dive in to move forward. So let's get started. <laughs> Amazing. I'm excited. So tell us a little bit about you, where you're from and where do you currently live? So I'm originally Lebanese. I grew up in Paris. I moved to London when I was 18, started a career in the arts. I worked for a couple of galleries and I live in London. Mm -hmm. I moved away to do my MBA in Barcelona, did a little stunt in Paris for a couple of years and then moved back to Paris after the first lockdown of COVID. Great. Can you share with us your journey going from the art into business technology? I think you did your master's in business technology, how it started, how you transitioned. Yeah, absolutely. I, I started working in arts. I worked mm -hmm. for a small gallery called San Marfariani, focusing on emerging artists from the Latin American region and the Middle East. And then I was hired by this more prominent gallery called IAM, which is a Middle East mm -hmm. gallery, to open their main post in the UK, so in London. We were based just across Sotheby's on New Bond Street, so it was a very exciting location. I worked for them for two years, and after a while, I decided that I wanted to step away from the art world and focus on something more business-focused. And this is when I went to do my MBA in Barcelona, ESA. And it, this is where I actually started looking at sustainability. SA has this amazing conference called Doing Good, Doing Well. Mm. It's a two-day conference where they welcome game changers from impact investing, sustainable cities, education, food, clean oceans, you name it. They have all these amazing different sectors that they focus on. And hearing about all these amazing people, I think it triggered something in my mind. And this is where I started focusing on sustainability. Also, the ESA has a very strong focus on doing well and ethical business. So this is something that I looked into. And the third point, which is a bit more, I would say, superficial, is Inditex, which is the mother company of Zara, yes. Massimo Dutti, all these yes. brands, has a very strong holding in Spain. I went to buy a lot of Zara garments along the two years that I was there. And when I moved away from Barcelona after graduating, I realized that I had accumulated a lot of 
unnecessary clothes. And this is where I guess I started diving into fashion and sustainability. Talking about transitions, what were the main markers or life events? I guess it's a realization at some point of the overconsumption that we've all been guilty of. Mm. I mean, it's something that's hard to get away from. But I think there has been also a realization in the world that we've been overconsuming. And it's about a mindset. It's not about changing completely your life because that's not doable, but it's just being more conscious about what you're doing. And I guess it goes with food, with fashion, with even traveling. Apart from the MBA, I would say that I didn't have any markers or life events, to be very honest. And I think it's also very important to be completely honest about these things because we don't need to have a huge no, like, marker because sometimes it gets a bit scary for people that want to get into sustainability mm -hmm. nothing has happened in their life and if you mm. just decide that suddenly you're more interested in the planet and people and you absolutely just focus on yeah on. yeah great was fashion particularly relevant to you so it's an interesting field. question because I love fashion but I've never been really a fashionista I just believe that fashion is an easy way to get into sustainability mm. because when you look into brands you can be curious understand where the fabrics come from and the more you read the more you get into it i remember we met you had introduced me to all the pineapple leathers and all the very exciting new technologies mm -hmm. out there from raw materials to fashion travel food sustainability at large does enable us to live mindfully together and it ensures protection, longevity of the planet. Now, the Forward Lab that you've created is a platform that invites us on a contemporary journey, mindful, aware of to live more sustainably and with an emphasis on fashion, as we just talked about. So from ideas to new production processes, changing the way we think about things, how we consume them, what aspects of sustainability are you most drawn to and look to achieve in the lab and why? So you really started with what triggered me at the beginning. When I looked into fashion, I discovered actually the first fabric or innovative material that I discovered was Pinatex, which is a fabric made from the byproducts of the pineapple industry. And I thought that was just mind-blowing, amazing. It actually looked like leather, felt like leather, and was not leather. But when you look about a lot more into sustainability, I guess that all aspects became really interesting to me. And this is when I became, with the Forward Lab, on a mission to help inspire people to adopt more mindful consumption habits. I wanted the Forward Lab to be a space to learn and discover about innovations, ideas, especially new companies and founders who are putting sustainability at the forefront of their brand's values. Meeting founders like yourself, founders like on the podcast that I interviewed, doing great things, innovating with what they do is literally what really excites me every day. And there are so many different things happening. It's a very collaborative world. So yeah, that's what's been driving me. And that's what I'm hoping to achieve with the Forward Lab. I'm hoping to convince and to inspire people really to move towards a more conscious life. I don't want to preach. I just mm -hmm. want people to have information in their hands to understand why they should make that change and they can then cater and curate their own sustainable life i think that once you make that first step then you'll see that it's easier and then you'll do more right 
I remember when you launched the Forward Lab, you also did a lot of collaborations. Yeah. Are you still doing a lot of limited edition projects? Where is it going? And actually the Forward Lab, you're right, started very differently. I wanted to apply what I was doing as a gallery manager, gallery director. I really enjoyed working with young artists. And I think you did too when you worked in art, putting on the show, trying to direct them and trying to make them better in some ways. And so I wanted to apply this with brands who work hand in hand with existing brands and find their best selling product and try to produce it sustainably, which I did. I did two collabs, actually three collabs, sorry. And then unfortunately COVID hit. I was left with the inventory and the stock and couldn't really sell it. And this is when I went back to my original idea, which was the marketplace and a sustainable platform to inspire sustainable living. So I don't really do any more collaborations. Maybe in the future, I would love to be able to have forward products or one-off collaborations with brand that I love. But that will be definitely at a, at a later stage. Today, I'm a big fan of your newsletter, for example, because you have all these recommendations and I've seen how it's broadened the spectrum mm -hmm. and very much anchored in lifestyle. I mean, the Forward Lab has become my go-to when I look for That's sustainable. So nice. No, you. but it's true. I started swimming recently and you're the first website I went to for a swimsuit. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, we don't have them yet, but this is something that we were looking for. Can you share with us a few highlights of the e-commerce on the Forward Lab? Absolutely. So I love all the brands that we feature, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so. <laughs> but uh, a couple of the brands, Uyuna, which is a cashmere brand with responsible cashmere, definitely advise that you listen to the podcast, not because it's the podcast on the forward minds, but because I didn't know a lot about cashmere production and the idea of responsible cashmere. And once you know about it, I think it will change your vision and your, your purchases around cash, especially that you see cashmere left, right and center. And it's interesting to know what you're buying. Be London, which is one of the first brand that I signed. I also have a podcast with the founder. It was named one of the most innovative brands in the world by British Vogue. They make accessories entirely from recycled materials. We also signed this year our first wellness brand, Zoe, carefully source organic and ethically produced ingredients to make herbs, spices, mushrooms to create their products. I really love them. They're this really great couple. They live in Mallorca and it's, the products are great. The branding is great and their story is really nice too. So definitely have a look. But my favorite product I would say, and definitely our best seller is the Little Sun Solar Lamp. It's founded by contemporary artist Olafuria Sun. They're these little, very cute yellow solar lamp they're made for kids at the beginning so they're a very good educational tool they can wear it around their neck they can use it to read in their bed you can teach them how to charge it with the sun but they're also great because you can use it as decoration on your table and it's a great dinner conversation on top of that it's also a social impact company so when you buy a little sun product you actually make energy available to communities in africa which don't have lights so it's a whole concept that's great. It's one of my favorite products on the shop. Fantastic. Can you tell us a bit about you and what kind of consumer you are? So that's a really interesting question. As a consumer, I will be very honest. Pre-forward lab, I would buy on impulse. Impulse buying. It was a time where we would go to Zara all the time and buy everything all the time. Nowadays, I would describe myself as a conscious consumer um, in terms of fashion. 
I think about what I buy. I When I discover a new brand, I try to read about it. I try to avoid going to fast fashion brands. But again, I also be very honest. And I think it's important because it's not always easy to buy sustainable fashion. It's always very expensive also. I do go sometimes to Zara to buy you know, a basic t-shirt or like jeans. And I think it's important to be honest about it because nobody can just unless you have the budget for it can be completely sustainable and also not all the brands are trying to be sustainable in terms of food also i'm a lot more conscious i try to buy from local shops around my area i obviously use let's say ocado for things around the house but for food and i try to buy whatever i need i hate food waste so this is how i operate now hopefully it's a good way (laughs) I'd like to talk about the Forward Minds, your podcast. The topics are fascinating. You talk about solar-powered lipstick, refills at home, lab diamonds, conscious travel. That's just to name a few of the themes. Can you tell us when you launched it, when in the timeline of the Forward Lab? Absolutely. The Forward Minds is something that I love doing. The podcast is great. It's a really fun project because I get to meet these amazing founders I started a year and a half ago. We're into our second season. I started by myself. And the reason why I started it was because along the work that I was doing, I was meeting all these exciting founders and what they were doing. And I wanted to share with my friends to start, let's let alone a community, my friends, what I was discovering, what amazing work people were doing. So I can't take credit about the amazing topics because this is all about the brands and the founders. But as you say, solar power lipstick, refill at home, lab diamonds, we did the first zero waste restaurant. I mean, you name yes. it, there's so many different spaces that we've discovered. And also what's amazing is that it also works by collaboration because a lot of the founders that I met put me in touch with other founders. And this is how we create that net of amazing topics. And also on top of it, the founders are amazing people they have these great products each of their businesses are fought through from the beginning so it's interesting to understand where they come from how they got mm-hmm. there why they why they installed these type of processes and everything so i think it also gives hope to listen to these great products great companies and the reason why i went through with it is because i realized that this is how i got into sustainability by hearing amazing stories and amazing founders So yeah, I hope to continue for a long time. Yeah, and we learned so much from them. So they Thank really you. paved the way. And from you, of course, gathering mm-hmm. them. How do you measure successful ethical brands in the fashion sector? We know how detrimental it is to the environment and it's known for all the waste yeah. in general. It's a really tough question. But I would start with what we do in the Forward Lab to give you an idea. Yeah. So each of the brands that we have to go through a sustainability framework, Mm. uh, which we based on a B Corp framework that measures sustainability. So the brand has to fill in this Excel sheet based on different factors. So heritage and craft, climate positive, social change, minimizing waste, consider materials, so on and so on. And then they can basically tell us what they do in each of these categories they can also tell us whether they want to do something else or to focus on another category for the following year which is nice to know because it gives them like some view for the future 
in general, I would say that it's really hard to judge sustainability from a website and from what you mm. read. It's always very hard. For smaller brands, I would say go on the website, look at About Us. The more you read about brands, the more you read about sustainability and understand. But what I would suggest to do is looking for B Corp. For me, B Corp is definitely a great certification. For the people who don't know that are listening, B Corp is a third-party certification. It evaluates the company's impact on all the stakeholders. So the companies voluntarily meet higher standards of transparency, accountability, and performance. And that's a great way to know whether the company that you're looking at is sustainable or in a certain way sustainable. For fashion brands, it's very recent that fashion brands have got the B Corp certification. Patagonia, of course. Oye is the first luxury house to attain B Corp. Really? Yeah, recently, actually. You have Vestia Collective, also the second-hand resale uh, online shop, Allbirds, Veja. So all these brands are doing really great work. B Corp is very tough. It's a very rigorous process where you have to open up your books, your stakeholders, whatever you're doing. And not only you do it once, but what I love about B Corp is that you have to do it every three years. So you can't just get the certification and go back to your own ways. You have to prove that you're continuing to work. So I would say look for B Corp. And when it's not available, you need to make up your own mind by just reading and reading more so that you can make your own opinion. I think curiosity is at the base of it all, I would say. Yeah, totally. Right. You did mention earlier that sustainable fashion is quite expensive and it's not always accessible. Do you think that sustainability could make luxury goods more accessible? I think lux- luxury fashion is it's not going to make it more accessible in terms of prices because it will stay expensive. And if they even become more sustainable, it probably would be more expensive. Mm. I would say, though, that the luxury brands and the luxury fashion houses have visibility. So if they decide to take the right step towards a more conscious fashion, a more simple fashion, yes, sustainability will be more open and more transparent. Sometimes it almost feels ironic that actually a 100% cotton t-shirt that you want is so expensive. Yes. And it's not even about the design. It's really it's the purity the of the materials and where it's sourced and how it's processed as well and washed. But sometimes it just, yeah, it's mind-blowing. Absolutely. And it's not going to get better, I think, but... It's important for those luxury fashion houses to put sustainability forward so that if they do it, a lot more people will read about it, a lot more people will know about it. Because I also believe that you and me, were very sensitive to sustainability. We've been reading about it, but it's a mistake to think that a lot of people know a lot about it. So we have to start from the basics. Absolutely. Paving the way to change is amazing. It's still a challenge and it's a struggle. I'd love to talk about the way you influence your audience and your contact with your audience, because of course you have so much work behind the scenes, connecting with brands, discovering them, bringing their work forward. But it's also about your mission, about introducing and implementing change. So how do you exhibit or introduce these new practices? How do you implement change to your audience? And then I'd love to know about that, but I would love to know about what has worked for you and where do you find reserves with your audience? Change is always difficult. 
So when I started looking into sustainable fashion and sustainability, I only found really amazing websites, absolutely amazing. However, preachy websites. And I felt that they were not talking to me. I felt guilty when I was looking at those websites. I felt that I wasn't doing enough or at the time probably not doing nothing. I felt that I was not part of that community, that I was behind and that I needed to do a lot Mm. to get there. What I wanted to do with the Forward Lab was to make it accessible, easy, and not make you feel guilty, just to give you some options. The way I would like to implement change, I want to believe that I do, we never know, is to inform people. I feel that we don't know enough or anything about a lot of topics around sustainability. But when you listen to a podcast or when you watch a documentary and you have facts, suddenly, slowly, these facts are going to get into your head. You might not change straight away, but you will want to change at some point. When you watch a documentary about leather, for example, I can tell you that there's actually a documentary that I promoted on Instagram called Slay. It's not easy to watch. I will continue to buy leather a little bit, but not from random sources, not randomly, more consciously, because I've seen that documentary. But I think the important thing when you want to implement change is to give information and all the facts so they can make their own mind. Yeah. And this is what I guess has worked because a lot of people around me didn't really know about it. Whether they make a change straight away is not really an issue because I think they will read more. And if they make a change in six months, at least they will make a change. Yeah. So I think what has worked is literally mostly information and bringing cool products, cool companies to light. And I'll try to do more because I think there's a lot more out there as well. As we, in a way, become more mindful, consume with awareness, what we're presented with today is products that actually go back to the roots. We're going back to purer ways of doing, of being, of consuming, of producing. You can see that across sectors from fashion, whether it's embracing 100% pure materials, linen, cotton, or in the food industry as well with agriculture and practices and eating just wholesome, farm to table, etc. So do you think that going back to the roots as a movement for our generation is becoming synonymous with a new traditional? Are we entering a new phase? Because it all sounds so familiar. We may have grown up with that. And then the 80s were crazy. The 90s were crazy. Today we're where we are, but there's a going back. Do you think that it's almost a movement? Is it a, I want to say planetary consciousness? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think of that as a general movement? So I think you're right. I think there's a huge consciousness. I think you had mentioned at some point the zero waste concepts. And I think this is definitely a goal that we should all have. It's not easy, as you probably know. Zero waste, let's say, on an individual side, which meaning not taking single-use plastic bags or single-use coffee cups. We can all do it and we all try to do it, I hope. It's easier But the idea is to actually redefine the whole system. Products from the beginning should be designed to be reused, to be repaired or recycled. 
we've we were in the past couple of years and even past decade in a system where it was a throwaway culture. So whatever you would buy, it would be fine to throw it away. This has to change. So it's a redefining of a whole system and also a redefining of our own way of thinking. Mm. I really believe that people are slowly starting to get there. People are recycling a lot more. They are repairing a lot more. There's this whole movement now and these amazing apps that are coming up in the fashion space to repair your clothes, which is great. One of them called Sojo, you can, it's a kind of a delivery of repairs. They connect you to the repairs people around the city. They pick it up, bring it back. Because a long time ago, if a pants wouldn't fit anymore because you lost weight or it's too long, you would throw it away. That needs to change. And I think people are actually there now, but it needs to be easy for them. Mm -hmm. That's slowly starting to happen. So I think, yes, there is a consciousness and, and there are companies doing good and trying to bring easier swaps. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the apps. We see them in the food industry as well with the cutting down waste, taking from your neighbors, things like this. I mean, there are so many of them. So just looking at technology quickly, just a question. It feels that sometimes it's the invisible fairy. It optimizes production, it reduces waste, it promotes circularity, it brings people together. It really promotes that consciousness. And from biotech materials to far forecasting analytics for a company, if you're behind the scenes, are we almost demonizing the humble hundred? percent linen shirt. And by this, I'm asking, there's so much analytics and new materials, tensile. Overwhelming. Yeah. Once again, do we not just want to go back to a hundred percent cotton and feel good about it? Or is that too complicated now? Um, absolutely. I get that. Absolutely. So let me begin by saying mm. that a hundred percent linen shirt should not be demonized mm. because it's monofabric. And technically, 100% linen is a lot easier to recycle than 50% linen, 50% cotton, for example. Right. So do not demonize 100% monofabric. Definitely go for it. It's also important you were mentioning the biotech materials, those really cool materials that we were mentioning. It's also very important to know that everything has a downside. So let's go back to pineapple leather pinatex that we mentioned before, mm -hmm. byproduct of the pineapple farms. It still uses petroleum-based resin, have PLA inside. So it's not 100% sustainable. Nothing yeah. is. Yeah. At the day. Yeah. But it's a lot more ethical and environmentally friendly than conventional leather. So what's important is to not become completely crazy and just focus on what's good, if it's better or not. And also, I would say that actually when I started reading about sustainability and I read a couple of books, I watch documentaries, listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. The conclusion that you have is yeah. if you want to be sustainable, it's to stop producing and stop consuming. We all agree it's not going to happen. So you have to find ways to consume better with information, knowing when you're consuming. Another thing about the demand you're asking me about is what's really killing the environment is obviously the chemicals and what we're doing with the chemicals to the planet, but it's also the huge demand, which drives a huge production. Yeah. Obviously buying 100% linen thread is not a bad thing, but producing it, that's bad for the environment. Mm -hmm. So what would be great in terms of forecasting analytics, as you were mentioning, is production on demand. 
that's always great in the fashion industry. It allows you not to have unwanted inventory. It allows you to have no unsold inventory, no unnecessary use of resources. Obviously, that's really hard to do, but yeah. hopefully technology will yeah. help yeah. and bring it to life. Do you think big luxury houses would do that? We know that big brands burn their unsold inventory and that's a big problem. Do you think they would get to that eventually? They could? I think they could do that eventually with some products. Mm. Bags, maybe exclusive products. I think it will happen at some point, but at a much later stage. Mm. When the technology allows you to produce nearly straight away. Because the problem with on-demand right now is the wait time. The wait time. And people for the moment are not ready to wait. Exactly. So either the mindset changes or... Technology allows you at some point to produce in a yeah. very short amount of time. Yeah, we really are in a transition. Time for a little break. I interrupt our focus on fashion to invite Joy to the table and chat about food and sustainability. She has had wonderful exposure in that field with incredible movers and shakers. Let's dive in. Let me invite you to the table. Amazing. <laughs> I didn't get the chance to have you over for a brunch. Looking at food, Digest What You Choose tackles the impact of food on our bodies and how it nurtures our soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, provenance is always so important to me. So let's talk about food sustainability a little bit. I've been fascinated by your interview with Douglas McMaster from Silo. Now, professional kitchens have been consciously leaning towards sustainability zero waste practices when possible in recent years, although it's still very hard. So from restaurant encounters you've had, meetings with incredible chefs, all-round understanding of that movement, are things changing, do you think, in the restaurant F&B business towards a, a real disruption? I believe the, the food industry is changing. I met some really interesting trailblazers like McMaster and Skagingo from Spring. Master, as you mentioned, has the first 100% zero-waste restaurant in the world. It's really an amazing space. If you haven't been, I would highly recommend to go. Obviously, there's no waste in terms of food, but there's also no waste. I mean, when he orders from his suppliers, his own containers, and there's no plastic, everything is recycled. I mean, it's a whole world and it's really hard when you think about it to achieve what he's doing it's great the other chef that i met and interview is sky again from spring actually sky to give you an idea was the a chef of petersham nurseries and she won a michelin star for them her restaurant spring is the first that went plastic three in 2018 they also have this amazing scratch menu which is made from leftover produce from the kitchen so it's great i do think that there are change makers in that space but for restaurants as a whole and the restaurant industry in my humble opinion I think that real changes will only happen with government regulations yeah government helping restaurants to do it government imposing certain rules yeah because otherwise they have no incentive to do it yeah I mean like obviously they have all the restaurants have composting coffee cups or whatever, but yeah, actually it's just to burst the bubble. Composting coffee cups to not go in the recycle bin, which is right. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Which, and we all put it there because this is where we want to put it, but it's actually not going to be recycled. 
there's a lot to be done, basically. In that case, I think it goes actually beyond information. Mm -hmm. I think that certain industry, and in the fashion world as well, in the food industry, government regulations has to happen at some point to impose, unfortunately, certain rules. Because if you, look at it, if you look at it, they imposed, they banned the single-use plastic bags. Yeah. And suddenly it will happen. You don't really see plastic bags. 100%. It's that it works. So from a consumer point of view now, there have been some really exciting innovations in very accessible places like bakeries around town. While commercial kitchens try for change, they make things accessible. For example, porridge bread that's made from unsold bread and recycled, and that's also delicious. A lot of Michelin star restaurants have done that. Uh, commercial bakeries like Gales do that. Have you come across in your everyday innovations like this that you like? The first really fun and amazing innovation that I've recently joined a year and a half ago, thanks to my sister, is a composting scheme in Chelsea and Kensington. It's a really great scheme. You just send an email. They send you a little composting bin and a bigger one where you can put your composting bags. They send you the bags. And it's a really nice thing to do because you become slightly obsessed with composting. So every time you scrape a carrot or you do something, you just put everything in the composting bin and you feel really good about it and they pick it up. It's a different pickup system, obviously. But what's also great about it is once, you know, I have a composting bin, I have a recyclable bin and I have the general waste bin. Once you have that composting bin, you then realize that the general waste is nothing. Recyclable is huge. And so yes. you realize that there's something to be done there and you're doing it. So that's great. The other innovation that I love and that I started using after interviewing the founder on the podcast is mm -hmm. the Olio app. Okay. So I don't know if you heard about it. Tessa Clark launched Olio app a long time ago. I think they have 5 million users around the world now in different cities. The idea is to connect local businesses and neighbors and your friends with each other so that surplus food can be used and shared and saved. So technically, for example, let's say Pretz has leftovers every day. You have heroes, they call them, one who goes to pick them up and list them on their app and they share it for free. There is no buying So I use it a lot, for example, before I travel. Let's say you have five apples that are left over and you're traveling, they're going to rot. You list them on the app and you'll be so surprised. Ten minutes later, you have someone who signs up to pick it up. It's amazing and it also creates a sense of community. Absolutely. I remember the first time I used it, it was around Christmas time. I had a dinner the night before and I had a panettone. And we only ate two slices and it was a huge panettone and I was traveling and I really did not want to throw it away because it broke my heart. So I listed it on the app with mentioning that there was only two slices picked up. And it was this Chinese lady who came to pick it up who had never tried panettone and was so happy to try it. Amazing. You know what I mean? Incredible. So it's like really, yeah, it's a great, I really love that app. And now you can also put things that you don't want from your house. I don't know, like a chopping board that you're not using anymore. It's great to give to charity shops, but charity shops are overwhelmed with the quantity of things that they have for the moment. So always try all your app first. And if it doesn't get picked up, then give it to the charity shop because yeah. you'll be surprised a lot of people are looking for old shopping boards. That's something that I've been using recently a lot. <laughs> Amazing. Love that. In recent years, we've definitely seen a 
majority of chefs bring back the homegrown, the care for provenance, seasonality. So as we were talking earlier, going back to the roots in a way, living more naturally. Alain Ducasse has this thing, he calls it naturalité. And I really love that. So in parallel and the pandemic through, the boom of the food production, the deliveries bridge that world. On one hand, we're called to nourish and nurture. And on the other, we enjoy convenience. So we talk about technology again. And I'd like to ask you if delivered food doesn't need to be junk. How do you experience this bridge yourself in your community as a consumer? It's a tough question because really? we mm. all love to have delivery or anything yeah. delivered to our door. Right. But I tried, and you're right, post-pandemic, I tried to really cut down on deliveries. I certainly do it still. But what I try to do to avoid it mostly is to do a weekly shop and decide what I'm going to eat that week, especially mm. as I was mentioning before, trying to avoid food waste. So usually on a Saturday or on a Sunday, you know what your plans for the week are. So if you know you're going out a lot, I try to buy things that I know I'm not going to perish or that I can just use for the whole week. So that's how I do it. You can also buy those boxes so you can cook. Yeah. I think they're great. I haven't used them myself, but a friend of mine invited me for dinner and it was delicious. Super easy to use. What's great as well is that there's no food waste at all because exactly. there's the exact quantities that you need. I know that you're launching something soon. Yes. <laughs> I don't even allowed to talk about it. We'll hear about it. So that's how I do it myself. Also, I like to cook, so it's not hard for me. I find it hard to tell people what to do in that, especially in that space, because I think people don't have time, maybe don't like to cook. When you have kids, a family, it's hard. It's just a matter of, I would say, picking the right restaurants if you actually decide to deliver your food. Try to know where it comes from and try to set a limit of the numbers of delivery you want to do per, per week. So yeah. let's say maybe once a week. So truth be told, you're a hostess of dreams and you love a tablescape. You're also a great foodie. This is a more fun question. What are the most important components of a successful get together? I love hosting. It's one of yes. the favorite things. I love having friends around a dinner table. I think it's probably the best time that you can have your friends around food and wine. So I really love a beautiful table. I think it really adds to your meal. Flowers, if you can. It doesn't need to go over the top. You can just get a couple of flowers and just put them in vases. I like to cook homey food. I don't like to go too pretentious. Um, I just feel like it's as if I was at home. Set a certain vibe where you can stay as long as you can around the table. That's the funniest, I find. And I have to mention my mother in this question because I remember, and I will always remember what my mother always used to tell me and always tells me now still, that as a hostess, your focus is your guest. The evening is not for you, but for your guests. Very so true. This is what I try to keep remembering. Yeah, also have a good time but the evening is for your guests this is what I think is the best advice you can give yeah absolutely. it's not the, probably not the nicest advice for the host but there you go so forward lab the forward minds you're a very busy woman <laughs> what's your favorite part of your job I think I mentioned that a couple of times but I will re-say it again because it really is my favorite part it's discovering innovations that come around discovering mm -hmm. actually even news of what's been going on with positive news 
and meeting the founders. I love meeting founders. I love the forward mind energy that I have with the companies that I meet and being yeah. able to put them forward. Yeah. And I think what I like the most, I would say, although I love fashion, I think food and travel for me are amazing. And a lot of great things are happening on that part that maybe that will be another focus at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and just to spread awareness as a entrepreneur yourself and inspire people who are wanting to launch their own business and dive into sustainability, a two-part question, but what makes you proud and willing to continue, but also what are the hardest parts? What makes me proud, I would say, is when you see the product that you've dreamt of coming to fruition. So that is something great and continuing your vision and trying to achieve what you want and being motivated about it. Persistence. Persistence. The mm. hard part as a founder, I'm an only founder, I'm no co-founder. It gets very lonely. Making decision alone is hard. For example, even the most unnecessary decision, like an Instagram post or a color that you need to choose. If you have a co-founder, that decision takes a minute. And when you're alone, it takes a minute. So that's the hardest part, I would say. And also just going through the life and yeah. the different things that are happening in the world and being persistent and being confident about what you're doing also is hard. You're always as percent yourself, whether what you're doing is the right thing to do and if you should just drop it one morning or just continue. But at the end of the day, it's really exciting. The passion makes you persevere. Yeah. Amazing. What is next for you? Where do you see yourself, your practice, the forward world evolving? We're fundraising at the moment. We need money to have more of everything that we're doing to give a general idea. I would love to focus more on food and travel, as I was saying. So this is something that will definitely be part of the next couple of months. And also bringing more news, more podcasts, more info to the public. Okay, so we're getting to our final question cool. to wrap up. It's the quirky question we ask everybody. So in food or in life, you can choose what you want to answer. Mm -hmm. It's literal or abstract, but what do you or do you not digest? So in food, I will just be very direct. I don't just garlic, unfortunately, because I love garlic. And as a Lebanese person, it's very weird. In life, something that I digest a lot is loyalty hmm. and curiosity. Loyalty and friendship, the values of family. And curiosity is something that I picked because I think it's at the basis of the forward lab for me. If I had to define the forward lab in one word, it would be curiosity about the world, about what's going on, about the future of the world. And something that I don't digest in life is traffic. <laughs> Great. Very good. <laughs> Something really random. We won't stop you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. Very so good. Cool. Joy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Leah, for having me. I'm going to add all of the references that you've mentioned about the forward <laughs> world, but also the apps you've mentioned, etc., in the comments below. So anyone interested. And thank you, thank you, thank you. This was great. Thank Amazing. Thank you. You chew, you choose. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, give it a like and subscribe for more delicious content to digest.